Welcome back to another edition of The Daily Disruptor. I'm your host, Adam Burnett, and with me as always, Mr. Ephraim Hoffman, the founder and CEO of The Running Alpha. And today we're gonna be talking about some pretty interesting things. The first is that volatility versus uncertainty in the market, how you can hedge your portfolio in light of that volatility using things like gold. And we're going to revisit our conversation regarding the cryptocurrencies and possible investment opportunities. Enjoy. Now, uh, for the first topic that we were going to be talking about tonight, We've mentioned it before, specifically in the last podcast, volatility in the market. Now, that combined with uncertainty, and I'll be honest, I'm not really sure what the difference is between volatility and uncertainty. Can you kind of break that down for me, please? Uh, The way I see it is uncertainty is like potential energy and volatility is the realization of what the uncertainty brings to the market. So uh, there's a number of ways of measuring it. Uh, One way that I like looking at uncertainty is looking at the gold market. Gold is pretty good at uh, as a hedge against uncertainty. It's also been a hedge against uh, falling US dollar and inflation, but certainly uncertainty. And it's been rising of late based on that. In terms of volatility, The VXX, which is basically an exchange-traded product that tracks volatility, that is the way to hedge against the realization of that uncertainty. What I did today was I put up a ratio chart of the VXX, the Volatility Tracking Fund for the Volatility Index on the S&P 500, and I divided that by the price of gold. So for all charters out there that are trying to follow me, I suggest that you put up a 200-minute chart where each bar represents a 100-minute range. And the reason why I'm suggesting 200 minutes is because the quantum prediction machine that I use in order to identify the dominant time frame that's in control of the forward momentum It just happens to be located on a 200-minute chart. So for people that want to trade the ratio or understand the ratio of volatility to uncertainty, just put up a 200-minute chart of the VXX divided by spot gold. And today, something interesting happened. We actually uh, made a low near the open of the 12th. So... uh, yesterday and then we started pushing through a critical area critical area for this ratio okay so on the 12th near the open the ratio of VXX to gold made a low of 0.01845738 the critical area for it to break above which happened uh, today was at a level of 0.212917. And we ended up making a high today in that ratio of 0.0239956. What does that all mean? Well, we have to relate that 
to where this ratio was the last time we had uncertainty being realized in terms of volatility. And that happened on March the 18th. And that was uh, corresponding with that capitulation market low that came in. And uh, the high on this ratio at that point on the 18th was up at 0.053. So you could see right now that we're at least half that distance. You know, we've been cut in half that ratio. And that's typically what happens in a trend if it's going to continue. And it just looks like this is related to what I've been talking about over the past number of episodes is that I was expecting some kind of volatility event to come into the market in the mid-May period to mid-June period. And we're now just getting confirmation in this ratio that this is actually going to be the case moving forward. What does that mean to traders? To traders, that's a great, it could be a great thing for traders because if there are ideas that have before that have been performing exceptionally well for you, or if there were stocks that you were waiting uh, for to come down to your key levels before you buy them, this volatility will give you an opportunity to buy those um, spike lows into those key levels. And a number of the strong stocks that I've mentioned over the past number of weeks on our prior episodes, this will give you an advantage either to own them or to just trade them interweek. But the main thing is it's for the investor who wants to hedge their portfolio that's holding long equity could actually take a position in some volatility instrument. And the reason why I say that is because if the VXX divided by gold is rising, it means that volatility is moving up faster then gold is moving up. And so technically they could both be moving up, but the VXX is outperforming, uh, just starting to outperform. Now that doesn't mean you can't get some wiggles along the way. So what would be normal? Yeah, if there was a pullback on the ratio to 0 .0, uh, 0 0.0198, and let's say that happened into uh, May 27th, then I would expect um, a major bounce in this index and an, an, a very large spike in volatility as we progress into the middle of uh, June. Now, what about using gold to hedge your bets as well? I mean, is, is it good to use gold to hedge your bets against uncertainty or volatility? Or we've, you know, the reason why I ask that is because we have mentioned gold stocks before in the, in the past previous weeks. And you know, is it is it time to sell or is it time to hold? You want to be holding gold assets because the whole reason why you would want to be hedging you want okay you want to hedge against everything that could be really really bad, and the and the two things that could be really really bad for a portfolio is volatility after a significant run up, and especially uncertainty, and gold hedges you against that uncertainty. So even if volatility outperforms gold into the middle of June, I, as an intermediate term trade, it's very likely that gold and silver are going to do exceptionally well from an investment point of view as we move through the summer months and into the fall area. So not just as an opportunity, but as a hedge. And this is something 
that you're going to want to have to hedge against, as I said, uncertainty, a falling U.S. dollar, as well as inflation. If the dollar doesn't fall, that's fine. You st it still hedges you against uncertainty. It still hedges you against inflation. It also tends to go up if the Fed buys um, bond ETFs or bond assets because that drives down the interest rates. And if the interest rates are driven down, that actually means that there could be inflation down the road after this bout of deflation, which would be very bullish for gold. And because markets tend to discount things that are likely going to happen in the future early, you want to be in and proactive before the event happens. So I would definitely say uh, own strong stocks like what we've talked about in the industries that dominate in technology, biotechnology, and gold and silver for hard assets, but hedge against it using these instruments. You don't have to, as long as, I mean, if you're in strong things, you just have to realize that there's nothing you could do when there's a volatility event, unless you're trading in and out of the market on an intraday or interweek basis, you're not going to be able to avoid those kind of movements that happen within a one-month period. But because there is a significant trend that's likely going to continue from the summertime after like the June period, and especially from August into September, uh, early October period, then you will make new highs in those equities, even if you didn't have the hedge. But the hedge is, it's just nice to have a hedge at a strategic point in time so that it could kind of dampen out some of the uh, volatility and also possibly give you some dry powder to buy some of those securities that you really like at more appropriate prices or at cheaper prices. So yeah, so definitely the answer to that is continue owning gold in the strong, in the strong areas that we talked about. And in terms of answering your question regarding um, a little bit more regarding the volatility and uncertainty in gold, one of the big things that could happen, and it, like we said, it, it's happened before, is that when you get these volatility events, depending on how much leverage is in the financial system at the time you, know, you get this, um, this type of volatility coming in, that could lead to a situation where liquidity gets drained from the system. And what assets are really left to be used for, as collateral, it tends to be the hard assets like gold and silver. And we could recall what happened the last time the market really tanked into March. Gold and silver, which are normally hedges against you know, uncertainty and even volatility sometimes, but they don't hedge against a special type of volatility. The volatility when every other asset class gets frozen and gold becomes the only collateral asset and silver to actually sell because it actually has economic value and they're just forced liquidations to sell it to cover the losses in other areas. But those are very temporary and passing events, which is exactly why the second the market bottomed, these stocks... A lot of these stocks doubled or tripled. So I don't expect that type of event to be as pronounced this time in the worst case scenario. Normally those things don't happen. But the reason why I don't expect it to be to the same degree, even if, some, even if something like a black swan was to come our way, 
is because I don't believe there's as much leverage built into the system now necessarily as there might have been at that prior point when the market was uh, selling off. And part of the reason is the level that the volat like the volatility index of late has been much, much higher than it was the last time the market started selling off. So if you go back to prior to when the, the crash happened in March, the volatility uh, index was very, very low. And it's, it's much, much higher right now. And if I scroll back to basically February the 18th, just before the market started uh, crashing, and which is just before the VIX and the VXX started rallying, the VXX was at a level of about, when it broke out of about 12. And right now, it's just doing a continuation trade where it's at a level that's two and a half to three times higher than where it was at the base. So when it's at a higher value, there's not as much margin that's given to people in the system to take on those kind of risks. And people get nervous about putting on big positions when volatility is somewhat exaggerated because we haven't completely crushed the volatility from that previous crash event. Normally what happens when you get a crash is sometimes you completely, uh, you get a volatility crush that goes right back to where you started. In this instance, because we got a resurgence of another kind of support area before we actually crunched back to the lows where we were before, that will give more of a bid in the gold market than we would have had in the previous drop. And that was like an exceptional circumstance. Normally, the gold wouldn't even have sold off like that. It probably would have rallied. It didn't rally until after the Fed response was that they were going to print trillions of dollars and put trillions of dollars into the system because people were still unsure whether they would actually be that bold. But now that they know they are that bold, now that they know that the, the Fed is really on this situation and realizes that this is a very serious economic situation, they will do whatever they need to do to accommodate the system. And the gold market knows that. And because they know that, it's very unlikely you're going to have a bunch of people wanting to unwind gold at the same rate they did last time, no matter what the volatility is. So yes, there could be some volatility there. But all I can say is that we're going to be looking pretty good as we come out of this event and make dramatically new highs. And especially from... August on go into an acceleration phase in the uh, gold and silver bullion market. And again, I would highly uh, encourage people to study the best type of equities where you get the most leverage to the price of gold and silver. And we've mentioned a few names in our prior podcasts, and there are additional names, but that's you know made available to our uh, consulting uh, clients and our premium clients, which will which we will make available. On our, um, on our homepage for the Daily Disruptor. So we're likely going to make that available at some point in the coming uh, week. Right now, it's available to our institutional investors, but we'll be rolling it out to pretty much everybody So because we, we do realize that this is a time in the market where everyone needs the type of information in order to protect their portfolios and grow it in the right industries 
when the time's right. Would this be a good time to kind of shift gears and talk about one of the topics that we we mentioned in the previous couple episodes? And uh, some of our listeners are a bit iffy when it comes to cryptocurrencies, but uh, a pretty big event has just happened and there could be potential ramifications for our portfolios as a consequence. A big event has happened. It was the Bitcoin halving. And basically what that means in a nutshell, as we've mentioned in our prior podcast, is that the supply of new coins that are mined the amount of that supply that gets added gets cut in half. So, and when did that actually happen? Uh, It was expected to happen sometime between May 11th and the 12th. And it actually happened precisely at 3.23 p.m. Eastern time on May the 11th. And it happened precisely on block 630,000 in the Bitcoin blockchain. And what's really, really interesting is that the person that actually um, did that final transaction, they transacted that block with 12.5 Bitcoins, which is pretty substantial considering that Bitcoin is, you know, in the nine dollars to $10,000 range. So that was a pretty substantial order. It was definitely not your typical trader putting that order in. So obviously somebody that was, uh, you know, had a, a vested interest in Bitcoin in their portfolios and a big position, could have been an institution or just a large trader, you know, wanted to see this event happen. So they may have actually made it happen a little earlier than it might have, you know, maybe if the block size would have been very tiny, then I would, it would have been more of a retail trader that really didn't intend to push the, you know, the 630,000 uh, block. So, Basically, when this happened, what, what was kind of uh, funny is that on the uh, penultimate block, block number 629,999, they actually put a message in the Coinbase transaction where this uh, block took place. And in the message, it said the New York Times on April the 9th, 2020, uh, with 2.3 trillion injection, The Fed's plan far exceeds the 2008 rescue package. And they didn't put package in. The quote ended at rescue. The reason why I'm mentioning that uh, is because it kind of ties in with why people are buying gold and why people are buying Bitcoin. People are not just buying Bitcoin right now just because, you know, they want to have an asset that's private or somewhat private that can't be uh, hacked. But it's also because they believe that since Bitcoin has a finite amount of supply, and because of that, unlike the Fed, which just has the ability to print money and then monetize the debt, this is certainly a vehicle that an increasing number of hedge funds and retail traders are now using in order to hedge against both uncertainty and volatility. So uh, this should be, you know, pretty interesting. We were, Bitcoin has been the main topic of discussion. uh, And we have a list of other coins that are really good value, really good buys right now. 
Now, historically, I know that we've been saving that for the premium subscribers, but are there any that you would be willing to share with the listeners today? Yes. One of them, is it's called the Theta token, and it's particularly interesting. And the reason why I say it's interesting is because one of the themes that I've been focusing on on this uh, podcast, uh, on the podcast episodes, is the idea of investing in areas that are going to benefit in times of uncertainty. And especially now, we couldn't have more uncertainty given that there are so many unknowns with the coronavirus, so many unknowns with how we're going to get the economy up and running. But there's one thing that we do know for sure, that we're spending a lot more time in the house which means a lot more people watching video, streaming video, all kinds of things to keep them busy. And there's been tremendous growth in companies, for example, like Netflix, which we did identify a while back as definitely one of the leading stocks that would benefit in good and bad times. And it has done uh, very well. And it's very likely once we come out of this volatility uh, episode, outside of just day trading it where you can make money in the volatility, outside of the volatility episode come after the middle of June and especially from after late July, I do expect a continuation and an impulsive move upward to new highs in Netflix. Now, I bring Netflix up because Netflix is in, you know, streaming video uh, so and movies. And this coin, which the Theta token is basically a token that's tied to this Theta project on the blockchain. And the whole purpose of their product is to decentralize video delivery. That's directly tied to a fast growing industry that is definitely going to benefit people that already have a vested interest in investing in Netflix. So that would be the way of investing in, in video streaming in the blockchain. And they're likely going to have many associations with big companies that are trying to compete in the space because they're solving a massive, massive problem. Uh, one of the uh, problems that they're solving is the last mile of the delivery problem in streaming delivery because uh, there tends to be a bottleneck at the end, the pipelines get jammed, especially in with a 4K bitrate and 8K and next generation streaming. It takes a lot of bandwidth. And no matter how big a company is, it's just growing exponentially. And as there's more and more people on the network, it's very difficult to deliver the content at its highest quality without corruption to the people that actually are desiring it. So the Theta project is trying to disrupt that space using blockchain technology. And it's quite interesting. And the, and the Theta token allows you to participate in that project. And that token will continue to go up as the prospects for this solution space increase over time. Another thing I like about the Theta project is that not only does it solve the last mile of delivery, but because as time goes on 
as people start using the network and start allowing the providers of these movies or, or streaming information, as people start providing their computing network power to be used in order to reduce the bandwidth problem, uh, there's going to be network effects that come with that. So once there's a sufficient network density of users, what's going to happen is that the cost of the content delivery for companies that are trying to deliver this to the average user, that's going to come down substantially. So if the costs come down for the companies that are delivering the information, but the quality goes up for the users, that's a win-win situation. And it's smack right in the middle of the technology space that has a, a very strong capital spending cycle. I really, really like that kind of thing. So it would be a perfect complement to owning Netflix. So I see that as the dynamic duo. And what I'd like to do right now is provide you with some actionable information and how you could actually turn that knowledge I just uh, talked about or intelligence into an actionable trade. So what I would suggest is traders that are looking at their chart to put up on a short-term time frame, say on a 21-minute chart and on a 7-minute chart. Those are the time frames immediately that I would be looking at as a trader, okay? And currently right now, if you were to put up, let's say, a 7-minute chart for theta, so the, the symbol for the actual theta token is T-H-E-T-A, so theta. And you want to reference it relative to Bitcoin. So basically, when you do that, uh, what you will see is the value of theta relative to Bitcoin right now is 0.00001866 Bitcoin. That's what one theta is worth, okay? And what this is telling me right now, so somewhere around the mid-morning tomorrow, like sometime after 10.30 and going into the, uh, the 16th or 17th, any kind of pullbacks, and we're in a pullback right now. So I'd, I'd be interested in this if price comes back up sometime after, say, 10.20 in the morning tomorrow and comes back up above, let's say, 0.00001831. If it does that, then that would, uh, you know, that would be a nice initial entry into uh, the Theta BTC token. I say Theta BTC because it's Theta relative to Bitcoin. A lot of charting packages the symbol that you type in would be just theta and then BTC. If it's a different charting package, you may just have to just type in theta and then it will show you what the symbol is for theta relative to Bitcoin. So that would be an interesting area to buy in for sure. If there was some kind of strong spike for whatever reason was to happen, I would, you know, like a complete retracement in the market, I would just have another order in just for fun if it ever got there at somewhere between uh, 0.0001583 and 0.0001726 
that would be quite interesting. Now, what you have to realize is that when you make a profit in any token relative to Bitcoin, the value of what your actual profit is relative to your local currency. So, for example, if your local currency that you're using is the U.S. dollar, then it would be interesting to know what Bitcoin is going to be doing relative to the U.S. dollar. Because your, your net gain is going to be the gain of theta relative to Bitcoin multiplied by how Bitcoin is producing a return relative to the dollar. So let's put on a chart of Bitcoin relative to the dollar. And the time frame that I would suggest putting up, because this is going to be of broad appeal. There's a lot of people that don't really want to, uh, you know, get involved with alternative coins. They'd rather just be in the, in a very large cap coin, which is the gateway coin. That would be Bitcoin. It's the largest market cap coin because it was the first one ever in existence. So it would make sense. What does that say? Because if Bitcoin's going up, then that's going to definitely help boost the return of coins that are going up relative to Bitcoin. So I would suggest to put up a 130-minute chart where each bar represents a range of 130 minutes. And what I see here is that we found an area of support. We kind of like spiked in, but we found an area of support on the 11th in the mid-8,000s. Right now we're pushing into the 9300 level. And if the market decided to pull back again, I still see that area as a very, you know, it's a nice support area. So that that mid 8500 is still, there's still a lot of buyers and a lot of support. In terms of the next objective, if there's going to be another big push up in Bitcoin, the best time for that to happen, that you'd really want it, like it would be the best if you could just start seeing some money come in between especially let's say from the 17th you know into the end of the month so during this episode of volatility and uncertainty and that would be great but if for whatever reason bitcoin was to come down one more time i would look at a few levels i'd look at the mid like around the 8500 area if there was like a sharp sell off just before one more rally. I'd also look at the 7682 area. We never got down that low. Like on the 9th, before the halving event, it got as low as 8109, around 8 o'clock in the 8 o'clock area of the, of the evening. It could have gone as low as, uh, as 7778. So sometimes markets like retesting, especially if a big guy's trying to buy in. So, so that should be a, an area that shouldn't scare you if the price came down there. That should be an area where you should be very happy to put something in there. This is not a recommendation. I don't provide advice to people of what to do, but this is just an area where this prediction machine indicates would be a natural place to buy for the long term. In the intermediate term, I do see that along the way to much higher prices in Bitcoin, the next push up, is likely going to be, there's going to be a couple things. First, we're going to have to come back and test resistance. So resistance is in the area of 
10,095 to 10,262. Then there will probably be some kind of small retracement. And then from there, it looks like we're off to 13,000 to 13,500. That's the next logical area. And when we get there, we'll discuss what it looks like at that point and take it piece by piece. Hey guys, thanks for listening. So this podcast is for information purposes only. It's not intended to be investment advice. Seek a duly licensed professional for actual investment advice.